I'm far from being uncomfortable territory today. You know me, I like to preach scripture. I like to go through the Bible with you. I certainly uh, passionately want to preach Jesus. Uh, but I have to take a week to, this week because it's something we felt we should do and something I promised last week I would do, which is to take a bit of a review. And I've called it Hell's Check, all right? Um, said I would do it. Where we are now is Lighthouse and where we're headed together. So let me give you some data to start and then some comments on where we are in terms of feel or atmosphere. Then I'm going to point out the way forward as well. All right. Father, please help us now. We gather our hearts to you. We pray that we may have hearts which are led by you into your great purpose. We're local churches who gather together and proclaim Jesus. Honor your son, our lights in dark places. Our communities which example to the world the kingdom of God, living under the hand of God and the blessing of God. Holy Spirit, help us now, we pray. Amen. First of all, let's think about people. We launched our partnership program last autumn, and since then, to be honest, our numbers have rather gone down a bit. Some people have moved away. Some are away more Sundays and weekends working or traveling. Um, that's the, true of some of our musicians. In that both, uh, This is not a criticism, it's, but both Louis and TJ can't be here every Sunday. They have work to do and so on. A few people have left us. I'm not going to mention anyone individually on that score. You can ask about them if you wish. Uh, but I want to deal with some facts rather than just a kind of general kind of impression. So let's look at where our figures have been since, since uh, well, since we got started with Lighthouse, really, which is 2009. Got a few graphs for you. This might bore you to death, but I'm not. Leaving aside our international days, we started in 2011. In 2009... Our highest attendance that year was 156, and our lowest was 58 in the last week of December, which is why, in fact, we, we stopped doing big events at Christmas, because you can see what happens every Christmas. Uh, the average that year was 110 people. Next year, 2010, our highest that year, 145. Our lowest was 78 in the hard weeks of January. Average, 112. Next year, 2011. Uh, our first international day is the... Is the the little hill there in the middle, right? Um, but uh, leaving aside International Day, our highest that year was 172, lowest 98 in January, average 142, 2012. Can you see there? There was a snow day in February. 45 people literally trudged through the snow to be here that day. God bless you, folks. All right. But our highest in 2012 was 195. Okay, not including the international day. And our average that year was 150. 2013, our lowest was again in January with bad weather, but with, that was 97. Our highest, not including international day, was 219, average 152. 2014, uh, highest 163, lowest 92, average 127. 2015, highest 181, not including 300 odd international day. <laughs> 83 was our lowest in the second week of December. Average 126. This year, ignoring International Day. Highest was just a few weeks ago. 
just a few weeks ago. You see two bips before International Day there? 152 people were here. Not many weeks ago, 152 people. Our lowest so far was last week, 80. Our average is 111. That, those are the facts. All right? How you feel about that, what it feels like, those are the facts about where we've been and where we're at. Sorry. Oh, I've lost it. Wrong order. Okay. Let me remind you of our vision and mission statement. Why are we here? Why does Lighthouse exist? Because Elim has to have a church in Ireland? No. Bigger purpose than that. Lighthouse exists to see the increase of the quantity and quality of Christians in Ireland for the honour of the Lord Jesus. Amen. We're here to help in whatever we can, both Christians as individuals and as families and churches grow so that Jesus may have more honour. We won't compromise on quality to gain quantity. We, we never have, we won't, we're not going to. I won't water down the truth. Someone who was quite close to me for a while and in whom I invested a lot of time made the comment, Pastor David would draw more people if he'd preach more on prosperity. At that moment, I remembered the words of Jesus to Philip, have you been so long with me and yet have not known me? All right. It's not happening. If you want someone to lie to you that you'll soon enter into massive wealth and every problem will vanish away and blessing and abundance and victory will attend every moment of your skipping thoughtlessly through life, Lighthouse is not the place for you. We will handle all of the truth of Scripture here and apply it to all of life. And if our faith doesn't prepare us to deal with difficulties, indeed to overcome them, then I think that faith is false. We pursue both quality and quantity for the honour of Jesus. You know, I often have to remind myself, we're not commanded to gather a crowd, we're commanded to make disciples. And when it comes to it, sometimes, even people who've been with us for a while then go because they don't actually want to be disciples. Now again, forward a bit. No, go back a bit and put this on the board. Okay, wrong order. Talk about money. I could have had three points begin with P, but I can't find a P for money. I don't know if he's really clever enough to go on. Eh? Pullen. Pullen. Pull it. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm sorry I don't speak Boer, but there you go. South African. Pounds and pence. Yeah, pounds and pence. Oh, pounds and pence. Let me say here that Sharon does an excellent job managing our finances, and I'm very grateful to her for her support. And having spent quite a bit of time this, this week plowing through figures, I came back to Sharon's analysis, which is absolutely bang on. Last October, we started Jack working for us, yes? The income figures for October and November were actually very encouraging at the very point we did that. And again in January they were encouraging, but they were discouraging for February, March and April. They've since dropped down a bit. We've, we had a year of reserves in hand in which to take on Jack. In other words, we knew we had the money necessary to go for a year before we would run out of those reserves. We announced that last October, or September even, before we, we started. And we received your support. Yes, let's do this, yes. But we are using up those reserves. Now, we'll go through more detailed figures when we meet with our partners, those who are partnering with us. 
We've obviously spent a lot on the cusp of months. We've built an AV desk. We've had International Day and the Elam Conference, which pays where we pay for the expenses of those who go. And this year, Colin and I didn't just go. The two of us, we took our wives as well. So there's quite a bit of expenditure. But we can row back on that in months ahead. But the fact remains that we need a certain amount each month to stay afloat. And that figure is, thank you, Sharon, for your analysis, which is absolutely spot on, of course, we need 10,000 of income per month with 7,000 gift-dated. Our budget, and that's where we are for this last 12 calendar months, against that 10,000 mark, roughly. Our budget to run as we are is this. We pay a tithe of our income to Elin. We then have to pay a building mortgage, which is 3.7 thousand pounds or so. We then have personnel costs, including... Uh, uh, national insurance and pensions contributions, which come with over £5,000 for Jack and myself. So it soon adds up. Plus the regular running costs of being a local church and printing things and stuff. So it comes to this £10,000 of income of which 7000 needs to be gift aided. So we get that gift aid to top it up. And gift aid may not continue forever. Now to break that down, £10,000 sounds a lot of money, but £10,000 is 100 people giving £100 a month, or £25 a week. Or 40 people giving £250 a month, or £62.50 a week. Between those two figures, I guess, would be an average tithe for a person in work. Between £100 a month and £250 a month would probably be something like an average income, and therefore an average tithe. So it's an achievable target as we each give according to our income. Come back to that later. Prayer and fellowship. Our prayer times and our small midweek groups still gather only a minority of those who we see on Sundays. And that itself is a weakness. We're not growing individually or communally as we should be because we're not using the means of grace God makes available to us to grow individually and together. You see, let me go off track a minute. The Bible gives this picture of a body, and that's where the word member comes in. It's about body. Partners is a bigger, wider issue than membership. That's why we called it partnership. But in a body, as every member grows, the body grows. The body grows and every member grows. The two are linked together. Individual growth to maturity works at the same time and in connection with our growing as a community, our growing as a church. James wrote, you do not have because you do not ask. Jesus repeatedly told us to ask in prayer, not to decree and declare and proclaim, to ask in prayer. So if we look around, if we, if we do, do, do kind of a little internal audit of our own selves even, what do we need or lack as people, as families, or as this one family under God? Well, whatever we lack, are we asking him? Are we even asking him? I was thinking about the children of Israel during their wilderness journeys the other day. When their food or water ran out, they did the same thing again and again. They grumbled, they complained, they rebelled against God and against Moses, their leader. They did it over and over again. What if they had just asked instead? Interesting. That rewrites the whole of the Old Testament, really. And lo, the children of Israel were hungry. So they went to Moses. Moses, please ask the Lord to give us food. Never did it. Every time, that that Moses and that God and 
What are we doing here now? You can translate that if you want to. Just humble yourself to ask for help and the Lord will help us. Now let me talk about the feel or atmosphere. This goes far beyond us as lighthouse. How many can identify with that word? It's not a vote. (laughs) Many of us are experiencing pressure and difficulty. We're in that sort of season. And actually, that goes far beyond lighthouse. That's, That's where we are almost as a nation, too. It's a time of pressure. For many of us, there are family issues, financial issues, health issues. And for some of us, the response to such pressures is to retreat, to stop making the effort to be in fellowship and to gather with our brothers and sisters to pray and to share together. Yet it is exactly at times of pressure we need to seek the Lord and the company of his children. It's the devil's own work to separate, divide, and isolate us. We are stronger together. Now, I'm convinced that this scripture is true. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. My voice is almost gone here today. Let me mini-preach this to you. I mean mini-preach. I'd love to preach this. Simple points. No temptation. Temptation doesn't mean just being provoked to sin. It means every kind of trial. The is not into temptation. It's not, don't let me be beset by my usual bad habit today. It's actually broader than that. It's, it's every kind of test. No temptation comes to us but what is common to humanity. What we go through is far more common than we imagine. The devil will sell us the lie that you're the only one like that. Oh, you're really bad, you know. Oh, you're having a really bad time. No one has it like you do. Can you hear his voice? Yes. Tell him to push off. Peter writes that our trials are not some strange thing. Others are going through or have gone through exactly the same difficulties. The scripture says, nothing tests you that doesn't test a whole lot of people too. So when we begin to share honestly and openly, we discover commonality. We're in the same thing. We're in the same boat. Secondly, God is faithful. He has not deserted or forsaken us. His covenant love is not changed. His word encourages us if we will faithfully read it and attend to it. He will answer our prayers for strength and courage and wisdom. Thirdly, he will not allow you to be tested beyond what you are able. You need to keep hold of that. The trial will not overwhelm you if you will keep asking, trusting and receiving from him. The trial is measured God knows your limit. 
His providence, as David was excellently telling us the other week, his providence governs even your most severe trial. He has not forgotten his goodness, his wisdom. And lastly, with the trial, he will provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. You need to read that carefully. The way of escape here is not a sudden ejector seat that gets you out. It isn't that. God provides in the trial so we're able to bear it. And I maintain that part of that provision of God is the company and prayers and input and encouragement of brothers and sisters who have endured or are enduring the same trials. The comfort we receive, we comfort one another. Comfort means strengthen. Right? So a a very large part of that way of escape is prayer and fellowship. Being honest, being open. Being able to gather on a Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday night and say, this is where I'm at. And my brothers and sisters say, here's what God says. Let's pray for you. Amen. You know, pastors are really no different. You might not believe that, but it's true. When pastors get together... They can either boast about their numbers or their building project or they can choose to speak humbly and openly about what they're really dealing with. And I know which I prefer. I'm far more help myself when brothers share common trials and obstacles together and pray for one another. See, the trials are common. Even here in Harlow right now, I'm not making any predictions and I'm not opening any secrets, but I know... Friends of mine, colleagues of mine, let's put it that way in Harlow, are going through trials right now. God is faithful. He's our helper. He'll bring us help that gets us through. I'm not dismissing the very great trials that some of us are enduring. But we will endure and we will come through because God's promises and the provision of his grace, including our fellowship together through those trials, will take us through. I read in Deuteronomy the other day, and I was so encouraged by this. The Lord humbles us and tests us that he may do us good in the end. I wrote that one down. I thought, that'll do for me, Lord. He humbles us and tests us that he may do us good in the end. Now let me talk about how we continue on from here. Firstly, some basics. What is church? I know I'm often saying these things. Let me say them again. Bear with me. What is church? First of all, church is not a building. We are Lighthouse. This building is KCC, Kingsmore Christian Centre. God does not live in buildings made by men. We are his house. House, as you move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, has more to do with household or family than a building. In fact, if you even go to the Old Testament, think of the phrase, the house of David. Is that his family or his palace? It's his family. The house of David relates to a group of people. And the house of God is a group of people, never a building. And the word church in the Bible never means a premises. Never. In all the New Testament, it never means a place, it means a people. Secondly, church is not an event or a meeting. 
Church is not what happens between 10 and 12 on a Sunday. The church gathers together between 10 and 12 on a Sunday. But this meeting is not the church. That's, and then I walk away from it. I step in and I step out. Because I've been to an event or a meeting. No, no, no. You and I are church together whether we're here or not. 24-7. Church is a community of people gathered together to worship and serve the Lord Jesus who care for one another and serve and reach out to others. We are God's household or family. Church is us. Whenever and wherever we meet together, that is church. Yes, even over a coffee at McDonald's. Lighthouse is us. It's what we are. Whatever size we are, whatever cash flow we have, whatever usefulness or influence, whatever degree of witness we have in this town and beyond, that's us. Which I'm a part. It's what we are together. It's not some train going along we get on and off. It's not some event we turn up to or choose not to. Lighthouse is us together and reflects who we are together. And here's the thing. Any community of people is affected by what's going on amongst them. The atmosphere of a local church is kind of, in many ways, the sum of where we're at. Our trials, our tests, our triumphs. Our faith, our hope, our hunger for God. If many of us at a particular time are down, that's probably what the atmosphere will get to be. The Bible speaks in a number of places about us needing to be built up. Do you know why? Because there's plenty in life to pull us down. We need to build one another up in faith and trust and confidence in the Lord Jesus. That brings me to my next point. And I've got three S's to share with you today. First one is sharing the one another. A key issue of growth together is one another. It's entirely biblical. Let me quote some scriptures to you. The body grows as the members have the same care for one another. And as we are fitted and held, jointed together, and as each individual part is properly working. And the result is we build one another up in love. I've presented a list of the one another's of the New Testament before now. It's what I want to see built here. Some, okay, here's some more hard facts. You know, the, there's some big churches in America, the mega churches, yes? yes. Do you know, the, even d- despite those, the average size of church in America has only got in the last decade or so from 40 to 50, even with all of those mega churches kind of putting big numbers at the top end. Do you know why? Because if one pastor cares for everybody in that local church, that church grows to be about 40 people because that's his capacity. Churches which, let's forget the thousands, all right? We're not with them. We're not trying to become one of them. Churches which number hundreds of people, almost all have healthy small groups of some sort where people have a place of engagement and belonging and sharing beyond the Sunday celebration. Times when people share together in Bible, fellowship and prayer. That's how they get to be a couple of hundred or more people. Because that strength... That foundation is there. I've never pretended that I can be everybody's personal pastor. I've always taught that the true way of life for us is to engage with the one another's of the Bible. And pastors and elders oversee the life of a local church, administrating it, directing it. 
They don't do everything. They don't make everything happen. The biggest one another in the New Testament is, of course, the new commandment of our Lord Jesus, that you love one another as I have loved you. And out of that flows our caring, our serving, our supporting one another. Sharing. Lives and offerings. The practice of tithing to your local church is, I believe, entirely biblical and has been the practice of most evangelical churches over centuries. It is not law since the patriarchs, particularly we see Abraham and Jacob, tithed to God hundreds of years before the law was giving, given. Tithing, to use some theological language here, is patriarchal. It belongs to the patriarchs and Abrahamic. We see it in Abraham. It was only later directed by the law of Moses within the economy of Israel. But God's economy of faith and covenant, exampled by Abraham, continues. I'm going to return again to Malachi 3. I need to read it to you. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground. Nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts, all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Jesus defended tithing and didn't correct it or reject it. He addressed the number of issues where the scribes and the Pharisees were teaching something connected to the Old Testament, but they kind of turned it away in a certain direction, and he corrected that stuff. Here's what he said about tithing. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, You tithe, you pay a tenth of mint and dill and cumin. We're growing some herbs down in the bottom of our garden. Wouldn't it be funny if I went and snipped off a tenth and brought them on a Sunday and put them in there? Yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These things you 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 should have been done. How did I get been done? Without neglecting the others. I don't know how I got being done there. Luke 2. Luke's written for Gentiles. Woe to you, Pharisees, you give a tenth of mint, rue, and every kind of herb, and you bypass justice and love for God. These things you should have done without neglecting the others. What does Jesus say? Don't neglect tithing. To paraphrase the words of the Master here. Justice, mercy, faith, love for God are, of course, more important than how accurately you calculate your tithe. But don't neglect the tithe. God's word through Malachi is that we bring in the whole tithe of our income so that there is food both in our house and in his house. We give together and benefit together. And tithing is rewarded by the Lord, blessing our own household while his household is fully supported. Notice, notice this, it is the whole tithe into the storehouse. Not some of the tithe here and some there. One whole tithe goes to one storehouse, one household of God. 
The tithe is also known in Scripture as first fruits. It's the first allocation and expenditure. It's not what comes off the bottom, it's what comes off the top. When a man went to his vineyard or to his, 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 his field of grain, the first thing he reaped, the first he took, was given back to God and then he took the rest in. It places God first in finance and makes his household even a priority over my own because God will take care of my business when I take care of his business. There's no getting away from the obedience it's expressed here. There's no getting away from promised blessing here either. He promises that the 90% that's left after I've given in faith and obedience to him will have his blessing on it. It'll be blessed. It will be enough and more than enough. That's how I understand that and that's how we've lived. How we've lived. Karen and I have depended on that blessing and God has carried us through times when according to accountancy we shouldn't have stayed afloat financially but as we continue to give to the Lord he continued to supply us. There are a number of people in Lighthouse who give faithfully month by month and I again commend them and thank God for them. And the amount they give, the, the, the amount of shillings and pence or pounds and pence is not the issue. It really isn't. Many are on low incomes but are absolutely faithful in their tithing and their giving. Remember, Jesus pointed out a widow who with a few coins gave more than the rich people. And if those who are not yet giving like that faithfully, proportionally began to do so, I really do think all this household's needs would be met. I'm not relying on just accountancy, though I am an accountant in background in making that statement. I'm relying on God's promises. That as we handle money according to his economy and his promises and his covenant, he makes it add up to meet every need. He blesses us both as individuals and as households and as a local church. So, yes, we have, in our partnership application, emphasized tithing. We ask partners to stand with us in finance through tithes and offerings. God's design, God's economy, is that we each give the same proportion of our income, whether it's high or low, with other gifts or offerings on other occasions. And he, in his wisdom, his providence, makes that meet every need, both in our household and in his household. So my suggestion to you is this. Tithe in full to your local church. Support any collections or offerings together as you're able. Seek to give something to other missions and charities, etc., if you can. Whether through your local church, Barnabas Fund, for instance, or as an individual. But I want to make this statement today in case you think I'm worried. I am confident the Lord will help us and all our needs will be met. We will be urgently asking him and trusting him as we get closer to running down reserves, but that will actually do us a lot of good. You think it's, it's bad news when, you, when, when you're driven to prayer. It's good news when you're driven to prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. When he does provide, perhaps in a remarkable way, those of us who've been giving and praying faithfully will be rewarded. We'll be rejoicing. Because we partnered with God and with one another and he helped us. Amen. The third S is serving. Now I preached on serving as a discipline of grace not many weeks ago, and I don't want to say much more again here. I checked outside, there are two CDs left of serving. So if you weren't here to hear that, 
uh, or you, you don't want to get it from the internet, you can get a CD outside. There are two of them there. Church runs with an army of volunteers who serve one another and serve the Lord. Serving comes from the heart. It's a Christ-like quality. Having said that, in the same way that love grows when you do loving things, if you give yourself to serve, strangely, your heart will grow in Christ-like servanthood. There are a number of great people in Lighthouse, faithful and willing servants. And I commend them and I thank God for them. My request is this, please keep doing it for Jesus because then, then it doesn't matter whatever else happens or doesn't happen as long as you're doing it for Jesus. I'm blessed and that you're doing it. Amen. That adds up and comes back to this partnership. Partnership. Sharing, supporting, serving. We're in this together. We are like us. Partnership. Whether you've taken a partnership pack home, whether or not you've been with us from the start of 2000 or from long before, let remind you of where, what we stand upon here together. I'm going to give you the end of the application form. Yeah, it's a form. It has some words. These are important words. We poured over these words, held together. I will protect the unity of my church by acting in love towards other members, supporting and serving. Scripture references. I will protect the unity of my church by building one another up and refusing to gossip. Let me give you a definition of gossip. You won't like it. It's passing on any bit of bad news without offering some help and support in it. Just spreading the bad news. Building one another up. I will protect the unity of my church by following the leaders. Hebrews. Making their job easier, not more difficult, according to Hebrews 13, 17. For then it wouldn't be helpful to you if the leaders are finding it difficult to lead you. But it's a blessing to you if they find their job worthwhile helping and leading you. I will share the responsibility of my church by praying for its growth. I will share the responsibility of my church by inviting others to attend. I will share the responsibility of my church by warmly welcoming those who visit. Because the pastor tells me to. No, you just do it anyway, please. In hindsight, I'd like to add another one to that, which would be this. I will share the responsibility of my church by contacting those I've, I, I miss. You see someone's not around and you, they come to mind. I'll go and report it to Colin or David or Kevin. or No, no, no. Why don't you make the call? We'll send the text. Hey, are you okay? Missed you on Sunday. Maybe you uncovered that there's a real need there. There's, there's a real problem. And in which case you... You, 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 you know, you, you see if you can help, and if it's more than you can do to help, you, 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 you get someone else to help. You say, hey, so-and-so needs some help. They, you know, they're really struggling. I think that might appear in the next version. I will share the responsibility of my church by contacting those I miss. 
I will serve the ministry of my church by being equipped to serve by the leadership of my church. As they test me out, as they give me some experience, as they find out what I'm capable of. And I begin to willingly do that. That's what we mean by that. By discovering and using my gifts and abilities. You know, a lot of us start out thinking we're not what we're not and we don't realise what we are. Do you understand me there? Maybe because someone even prophesied to us, you're a such and such. What do they know? Anyway, (laughs) they got it wrong. But the fact is, it's as you'll be tested, as you're given opportunity, so we discover, oh, you look, uh, you know, that's great. We have some young preachers around nowadays, don't we? We took a risk on Sunday and gave them them the slot. See how they did. They're doing well. By developing a servant's heart. By developing being a servant's heart. See, every one of us only has so much time, so much capacity. We can do this, but we can't do everything. So the issue is a servant's heart, not a servant's diary. You're blessed according to what you do, not according to what you wish you could do. That's not to say we don't, we don't care if you can't do much. No, we're grateful for what people can do. Developing a servant's heart. And I will support the testimony of my church by attending regularly, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, Hebrews 10, by living a godly life. And actually there are times we need to explore that together. What does holiness look like? What is it like to be a Christian living in a profoundly non-Christian world nowadays? What does a godly life look like? We need to pick away at issues like that. And then we talk together as men on Friday about the, the language we use. What does it look like to live a godly life? By giving faithfully in tithes and offerings. <clears throat> we are building a local church which is set upon honouring Jesus, the Son of God which is passionate about the gospel. I, I, I will be very relieved to get back to Hebrews 5 and preach Jesus next week. Mm-hmm. We're building a local church. We will not, we'll not compromise on the truth of Scripture. All of Scripture is inspired and is profitable. Mm-hmm. Not the little promise box bits you like, but the bits you find uncomfortable. Spurgeon said, the bits of the Bible you find is palatable are the ones you need to study most. The ones you wrestle with are the ones you need to wrestle with. Until they get hold of you. We're building a local church together which builds not on any one person's ministry but grows as a body where every member cares and serves for the others. I ask for your commitment and your support to this church family. We are Lighthouse and we go on together as Lighthouse. As far as I can determine, I'm not going anywhere and Callum and I will finish our race here. Thank you. Come on. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Bless you. We're going to preach Jesus and we'll worship him with more or less musicians on different weeks because life and business and things takes them away at times. We're going to ask the Lord for all we need from him. That's, that's something we must begin to do more. To not complain about the need, but to plead about the need. To make our request. In fact, as we looked at it last week, to boldly make our requests. Confidently be asking of the Lord who wants to help us.
will seek to bring everyone to discipleship and maturity in Jesus, which means not everybody will go to the course because some people opt out. I didn't, I didn't know Christian was, being a Christian was like that. Well, sorry. Last time I checked, he's carrying a cross. Yeah? Carrying a cross. We will train and develop future leaders. One point on that is even right now, we kind of need to invest some more in Jack. I'd say it if he was here, don't worry. We need to get him on the program of becoming a minister in training with Elam because that safeguards his availability in the future for things. And we also need to make sure he gets some theological training. And I'm not going to send him some Bible college, which I probably think is rubbish anyway. We're going to find him a course he can do probably online. And I might even do it on myself. Who knows? After all these years, maybe I'll get a degree. <laughs> I've got a diploma. It's not worth it. Anyway. We will train and develop future leaders. Why? Because I'm not going to last forever and I don't intend to be doing this into my 70s. Right? Right. And we together will encourage and support one another to go on. To go on. Stop, don't think of, 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 of my heart will go on. We will go on trusting him, enduring trials, hoping in his goodness. I ask today for your partnership with us as we serve the Lord Christ together. It's like us. Sharing in life. Sharing real life. Not putting on a fake face. Sharing real life. But recognizing when I express my need, my hurt to someone, they're going to come back to me with prophetic, prayerful encouragement because they don't want me to stay there. If you just want to have a pity party, I'm not going to join in. You understand? I don't want to go away just, just feeling as bad as you feel. I want, you to help to, I want to help you to feel better. All right? Encourage one another. Build one another up. It's commanded that we do that. We share in life, in unity, in responsibility, in ministry and testimony. We support in fellowship, in finance and in prayer. We serve the Lord. We serve one another. When we've learned to do those, we can then serve the world. Because we take the same things we've learned how to do and we do it out there. You've learned to listen to the Holy Spirit for a word of the Lord, a prophecy to help your brother and sister. You go to your workplace, you do the same thing. You've learned how good Jesus is to you. You go to your workplace or to your family and tell them how good Jesus is to you. We're in the export business. We we, we feed on the goodness of God and we then go and give it away. All right? But if we don't know how to feed our hearts on God together, we've got nothing to share. That's why who we are and how we are together matters completely. Jesus said that you love one another as I have loved you. And then he adds this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples when you have loved one for another. It's the export business. They see this. They hear this. They see where these people are. And they go, wow. Is that? Can you have that? Can I have that? Next week, Hopefully I get back to preaching Jesus from Hebrews 5 and hopefully I'll get some voice as well. It's gone. Let's pray together. We're going to share communion in a few moments. Let's pray together.
There are moments, Lord, in the life of every local church when we need to take stock, we need to be real. Just as much as we, as individual brothers and sisters together, need to have real faces, handling real life with real faith, not just complaining, but seeking you together, really looking for your help, for your strength, your grace, your wisdom. And so I pray that with a new honesty of heart and humility of heart, we will be those who do come boldly to you for ourselves and for one another and for us as a whole community, asking of you, receiving from you, hungry for your help, hungry for your, as Carmela reminded us earlier, that word of prophecy, hungry for your presence. Because if... If the problem doesn't get fixed, I will be better dealing with the problem if I know I have your presence. Grace to help in time of need. Your gracious, enabling presence. Father, I pray that we may take hold of the means of grace available to us, not just Sundays, but midweek groups, as well as private prayer and scripture that our hearts will be joined together in this mission to see you more glorified. What we are and what your church is in Harlow and indeed in this nation is nowhere near enough for the honour of the Son of God. Glorious things are spoken of Zion, but she is yet to be glorious enough. Therefore, Lord, please, Grant the increase of the quantity and quality of Christians. Thank you that our Queen is a Christian believer. She prays for her nation. That it may again be a more solidly, overwhelmingly Christian nation. We pray too for that, Lord. Let it start with us. Let it start with the passion of our hearts and with our partnership together in the gospel, in your kingdom and in the family of God, I pray. Now, Lord... As we break bread together, we remember that all that we have and all that we are depends upon the fact that Jesus himself gave himself to the cross for our redemption and for the purchase of every good and perfect gift that comes from our Father. We thank you that we have been brought into a covenant. It wasn't of our making. Christ made it for us. And even within that, Lord, you promise financial blessing as we honour you and your economy with first fruits, with tithes. You, 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 Lord, we're in a covenant of faith that you have made unilaterally with us, sealed by the offering of Christ. We bless you and thank you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>